from high atop 107 Columbia Street, where the temperature has reached a balmy 40 degrees and we are basking in that warmth. Welcome to this week's edition of the NIPTI Practice Tips. This week we will be presenting part one of our two-part presentation on retrials. So let's get started with part one. The federal and New York State constitutions are geared to protect its citizens from being prosecuted more than one time for the same crime. The double jeopardy clauses in the state and federal constitutions are worded in a nearly identical fashion, and the Court of Appeals has never suggested that these two constitutional provisions should be interpreted differently. However, the New York State Legislature has enacted statutory double jeopardy provisions that provide a broader protection than the federal constitution requires. See CPL Article 40, as well as in the matter of Suarez v. Byrne, a 2008 Court of Appeals case, and People v. Latham, a Court of Appeals case from 1994. With this framework in mind, there are a number of circumstances under which a defendant may still be brought to trial more than once for the same charges. When is a retrial permitted? Number one, a mistrial is declared before deliberations begin pursuant to CPL 280.10, and the basis for the mistrial is not of a level of impropriety by the people that would preclude a retrial. Number two, the jury in the first trial is unable to reach a verdict on any counts, and a, quote, mistrial is declared pursuant to CPL 310.60. This is commonly referred to as a hung jury. Number three, the jury reaches a partial verdict. There is a verdict on some counts, and some counts there is no verdict, pursuant to CPL 31070, and some or all of the unresolved counts are of a nature that retrial is permitted. And number four, a conviction is reversed on appeal or as a result of a CPL 33030 or CPL 440 motion for reasons that are not based on the insufficiency of the evidence or of a level of impropriety by the ADA that would bar further prosecution. When a case is to be retried, what does and does not constitute law of the case for the retrial? The determinations made at the original suppression hearings held before the first trial are the law of the case and cannot be relitigated at the time of the second trial. All evidentiary rulings that are to be made at the retrial are in the control of the judge who is presiding over the new trial. Therefore, no evidentiary ruling from the first trial is considered to be the law of the case and have no collateral estoppel effect on the retrial. In this context, evidentiary rulings are not limited to the ones made by the court during the time the witnesses are testifying before the jury. They also include any evidentiary rulings made by the court before the commencement of the trial. All of the following evidentiary decisions made at the first trial can and should be reconsidered by the judge conducting the retrial. Remember, the time at which a decision is made does not define it as a non-evidentiary ruling simply because it was made before the jury is selected or sworn. Number one, Sandoval rules. See People v. Evans, Court of Appeals case from the year 2000. Use of uncharged crimes, vicious or immoral acts to be used for cross-examination of the defendant by the people. See CPL 240.43. Molyneux rulings. See People v. McLeod. 279-82-372, a First Department case from 2001, and motions in limine. So, on which counts may a defendant be retried? When determining which charges are appropriate to be litigated at a potential retrial, 
Remember, CPL 300.40 Subdivision 7, which addresses the status of crimes not submitted to the jury at the first trial. Every count not submitted to the jury is deemed to have been dismissed by the court. With this basic rule in mind, in order for you to be able to retry counts that were not submitted to the jury at the first trial, regardless of the reason for not being submitted, there must be a specific statutory scheme which creates an exception to this general rule found in 300.40 subdivision 7. The charges that may be litigated at a retrial are determined, to some degree, by the circumstances that created these unresolved charges, as noted in the list above. There are statutes and case holdings that apply specifically to each of these specific types of retrial. They are used in conjunction with other rules that apply generally to all retrials in identifying the correct charges to be relitigated. The following is a list of the various types of retrials and rules that apply to those specific types of cases. So let's start with retrials of reversed conviction. If the reversal is based on the insufficiency of the evidence presented at trial, which served as the basis for the conviction, that count cannot be retried. See in the matter of Suarez v. Byrne, a Court of Appeals decision from 2008. Neither counts for which the defendant was acquitted nor any lesser-included offenses of that crime, may be relitigated. When a case has been reversed by the appellate courts, which are the counts from the original indictment that can be retried? Number one, those for which the defendant was convicted. Note, however, if the defendant was charged in the indictment with a greater count that was submitted to the jury, such as robbery in the first degree, and the trial court also submitted a lesser-included offense of robbery in the third degree, which was not in the original indictment, and the jury acquitted on the robbery first-degree count, but convicted on the lesser-included robbery third-degree count. In order to retry the defendant on the reverse robbery third charge, the people must seek leave of the court to submit that charge to the grand jury and secure a new indictment containing that charge. If the lesser-included count had been in the original indictment, no presentation or representation would be required for the retrial of that lesser charge. See the case of People v. Mayo, a Court of Appeals decision from 1979, and People v. Dees, a Court of Appeals decision from 2002. Number two, those lesser-included counts which were in the indictment and were submitted to the jury, but upon which the jury did not have the opportunity to deliberate. Number three, logic would dictate that a charge which was not submitted to the jury solely due to the judge exercising judicial discretion to limit the number of counts submitted to a jury and not on the sufficiency of the evidence, CCPL 300.40, and which, if a verdict of guilty was found on that charge, would not create a repugnant verdict with any acquittal or conviction from the first trial, can be retried. For example, the defendant is charged with an assault in the first degree and a misdemeanor weapons possession with a knife allegedly used. At the first trial, the court chose not to submit the charge for ease of deliberation by the jury. It could be argued that the court was required to have submitted it pursuant to CPL 300.40 subdivision 2, and it wasn't dismissed on its merits. The conviction for the assault first was reversed for a charging error by the court. On the retrial, the knife should be permitted to be charged to the jury. This will be the end of the first part of our two-part presentation 
on retrials. The second part will follow up next week. Please be sure to see the expanded comprehensive memo on retrials you will find in the PE. This contains many case citations and other examples. We'd like to thank, as always, our crack producer and bell ringer, Jonathan Marconi Crispino. My friends, be well and stay ready. Stay ready.